Well, good morning, everyone. Once again, as always, and I don't say this is just a something to say. I really mean this. Thank you so much for being here, for honoring the study of the Word of God. So thank you for, for some of you getting up earlier than you typically would, but thank you for being here and opening your Word, opening your hearts, opening your minds to the Holy Spirit as He feeds us and as He does an internal work in us, which is moving us from glory to glory, from grace to grace, as we are being conformed to the image of God's Son by the working power of the Holy Spirit in us. Amen? So all of that is a result of one work of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit only conforms us, only protects us, only leads us, only adjusts us, only encourages us, only does whatever it is that he is going to do. There's only one way he does this, only one way, and that is through the Word of God. That's it. There's no other way. Apart from the Word of God, the Holy Spirit does not do anything in us and is not working. Amen? And so when we realize that and when we know that and we begin to experience the depth of that and the glory and the joy of that, hopefully what that should do is propel us, propel us into a greater study, reading, meditating, of the Word of God. Amen? So, once again, let me encourage you. <clears throat> get into your Word. I'm already in the Word. Okay. Get into the Word more. Get into the Word more. Sit with God. Think about the Word. Let your mind and your heart converse and talk to God the Father. Listen to Him as he will take what you have been reading yesterday, today, a year, ten years ago, and bring it up to you and begin to enlarge it, begin to apply it, as you begin and continue to fellowship with him. So thank you for being here for this. This morning, <clears throat> what we're going to do is, this morning and next week, we're going to look at the what we call, or what I call, what is called the Levitical festivals. We're going to do that this Sunday, next Sunday, and then probably the next Sunday after that, we're going to look at the application of what are some of the meanings. What does all this mean? But we're not going to do a lot of that today and next Sunday. So today and next Sunday will be much more just information, this, that, and the other thing. And then what it's all about, we'll look at in the third Sunday. So this morning we're looking at the seven festivals. Israel is given seven festivals by God. These are called the Levitical festivals. Why Levitical festivals? Because they are listed chronologically or in order in Leviticus 23. Leviticus 23 is the only place in the Bible where the Lord lists one after the other the festivals. They are listed in other places but they are gathered up and listed in Leviticus 23 as a continuing 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 in that particular chapter. So that would be the chapter that we would emphasize this morning as we go through this and next week, rather than we're not ignoring the others, but just looking at it because they're all together. Now, what these festivals do, they present a unified and comprehensive picture of God's work 
throughout the ages. They present a unified and comprehensive picture of God's work throughout the ages. And this work is in three stages. This is a three-stage work. The first stage of this great work of redemption is the first advent. Do you know what I mean by the first advent? What does that mean? Someone tell me, what do I mean by the first advent? The first coming of Jesus Christ into the world. And so these festivals begin with the first advent of Jesus. Then the next event, the three events that they prefigure or talk about or anticipate is the church age, the age in which we are presently in. And then the third event that these festivals prefigure or talk about is the second advent. So if the first advent is the first time Jesus came, what is the second advent? His return, the second time that Jesus comes. Is there a third advent? No. So this is it. And so what these festivals are doing and what God is doing in these festivals is giving his people Israel and by extension is giving us, the church, a looking behind the scenes through these festivals of what he is doing, going to do in Israel as he begins to give these, and is presently doing in us, because we'll see that some of these festivals are already been fulfilled and some of them are to be fulfilled and one of them is being fulfilled even as we speak and so this is God's great plan to tell his people in types and in shadows what is going on and what he's going to do about it and so they outline God's plan for humanity so if you want to know what God is about on the earth look at the festivals and understand what God is doing in them and see how they are being fulfilled in Christ. Why? Because what does Colossians 2.17 say? That these events, these things of the Old Testament, beginning with God's great work of preserving Adam and Eve in the garden by the slaying of an innocent animal, all the way through to the birth of Jesus, God is saying one thing. My son is coming. My son is coming. And I'm going to reclaim my great creative purpose. I will have a people who are my image bearers upon the earth, with whom and in whom I will fellowship as their God, and they will fellowship with me as my people through the sacrificial death, burial, resurrection, ascension, glorification of my son. Sometimes we leave out those other terms because if it weren't, if the resurrection were it and no, nothing else happened, Jesus didn't ascend, we wouldn't be here today. So there's the rest of the picture, if you would, that is part of the work. And we are here today because there is a man in heaven who has been given all authority in heaven and earth. And as a result of a man, can you imagine this? A man has given authority, has been given authority to rule. And a man, this divine man, has now ordered, if you would, or given command to the Holy Spirit to go out into the world to collect us. Now, if you don't think that's mind-boggling, 
It is. Why? Because Jesus says, the Holy Spirit, whom I will send from the Father. And then he says, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send. And so you see the collective work of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So each of these festivals is related to the work of Christ. Each one of them is specifically related to the person and work of Christ as God reclaims his people to their original, to his original purpose for his conclusion. When is the conclusion? Revelation 21 and 22. So let's look at a little background this morning. As we begin, it is needful for us to have a better understanding of the way Israel reckoned time. Time? Well, what do you mean? I thought we were going to jump right into this. Well, we're going to get into it, but we have to understand a little bit about how they looked at their watches, their calendars. Remember this. What do we have? We have a 365-day calendar. Now, what is this calendar of ours based on? The rotation of the earth around the sun. Now, I know that some of you didn't know that you're going to learn this much science in here. And, John, you hang on as we go through this deep science. John's a Ph.D. Uh, physics student, but you have a lot to learn about these real basic issues here. So these are things that Tulane won't teach you, John. You just have to take notes here and go back and help these professors understand some stuff. And so we have a Roman calendar. It's called the Gregorian calendar. It was originally called the Julian calendar. Remember, Julius Caesar set it all up, and there were some issues that needed to be clarified and adjusted. So Pope Gregory said, okay, you know, four, 500, what is it, 400 and some out of 500 A.D., whatever it was, said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put the calendar together like this. We're going to have these months. We're going to have a, an extra uh, day in this month every four years, leap year and so on. And so it's called now the Gregorian calendar. But in those days in Israel, it was the Roman calendar, 365 days, round and round the sun we go. But you see, the Jewish calendar is somewhat different. The Jewish calendar is not a, based on a solar year. It's based on a lunar month. Very important to see this. And so the lunar calendar is based on the cycles of the moon. And what are the cycles? How many days is a complete cycle of the moon? 30 days. Now, is it absolutely exact? No. But it's a 30-day calendar, basically. And so what happens here is that the lunar calendar, 30-day cycle, causes in relation to the Roman calendar, these things don't go together. You see, they don't quite go together, so you have to make some adjustments. Now, interesting, when the Bible talks about the Jewish day, and it says it was the beginning of the day, when is that? Remember Genesis 1. It was the, the first day. What? It was the evening and morning the first day. It was the evening, morning the second day, and et cetera, et cetera. All six days, it was the evening, morning. So when does the Jewish day begin? It begins at dusk. It begins at the setting of the sun. Now, basically, and, and Anna's right, we would say 6 p.m., but some days it's 5, you know, 27, it may be 6, you know, because there are some adjustments here, because the sun doesn't set absolutely. But the day ends, sorry, the day begins when the sun goes down. That's the beginning of the day for the Jewish people. And it's important to know that, especially when we get into the New Testament, 
Because when the Bible says it was very early in the morning, it may not mean the same kind of meaning that we think of morning. Because this is Jewish time frame. So we have to see a little better in what the Bible is saying rather than assume, oh, I know when morning is because when does morning begin for us under the Roman calendar? Midnight. Okay, I have to help some people. It's like, okay, midnight. So the Jewish calendar also has 12 months. And each month is an alternating 30 days, 29 days, 30 days, 29 days, etc. for 12 months. But you see, in order to make up for, if you will, the lost time, there was an extra month or an additional month added to the Jewish year every seven times every 19 years. So in a 19-year span, you're going to have at seven intervals an additional year added. I'm sorry, an additional month added every seven years. You know, I'm sorry, seven times during the 19-year period. What is that? That's like a leap year. We have a leap day. They have a leap year. And so some of their years are going to have 13 months, and most of them are going to have 12 months. Now, this explains why Passover and Easter and the other festivals are not celebrated. I'm sorry, Passover and the other festivals are not celebrated at the same time every year. Why, why is Easter sometimes thrown off for us? Sometimes it's in March and sometime in April. What is the connection here? Why is it so different? Because, you see, Easter is connected with Passover. We celebrate, the Christian church celebrates Easter within the context of when Passover occurs. And so these variations of dates have to do with the variations of time because of the lunar year rather than the solar year. Do you, do you understand that? So that's what gives us that difference. Issue also had two different calendars. They had a calendar that began their religious year, which began with Passover, the first month of Nisan, S-I-N-I-S-A-N. So their religious year began in Nisan. Now, their civil year began in what is called Rosh Hashanah, or the trumpet blowing, the festival of trumpets, which we'll talk about next year. That wasn't that it did, uh, decided by the Lord. That was just a decision that was made after the temple was destroyed in 70 A.D. So Rosh Hashanah today is the beginning of their civil year, their governmental year, their year of harvest. But their religious year, the year that God gave them, begins in Passover. That is the year that God tells, this is the year that starts the calendar of my great events of bringing about the consummation of the ages through, through the Lord Jesus. Now, so let's, does that explain a little bit about the calendar, the distinctions? Okay, let's talk about the feast. During, remember the year-long stay at Mount Horeb, H-O-R-E-B. You remember Mount Horeb? Why do I say Mount Horeb rather than Sinai? Because sometimes we forget that the designation where Israel is at the mountain when they come out of Egypt to receive the law is the mountains of Sinai, but specifically it's Mount Horeb, H-O-R-E-B. That's the mountain specifically, but the Bible will use both. So I will often say Sinai or Horeb. Why? Just to make us familiar that there is a both the same mountain. The Sinai is much more of the area of the mountains. Horeb is specifically the mountain itself. So that's just the distinction there. And so the year -long, during the year-long stay at Mount Horeb, Israel was given, you remember the law, 
and the ceremonies. And in the ceremonies was included Leviticus 23, the seven festivals. As part of the whole ceremony, religious ceremony activity of the Jews and the sacrificial system is right in the middle of all this, these seven festivals. And in Leviticus 23, and you, you may want to turn your Bible, it may be in your notes already printed out, I don't know. In Leviticus 23, verse 2, what are these festivals called? What do you see in verse 2? The Lord calls them what? Leviticus 23, 2. What does he call them? Feasts, what? But they are my feasts. Do you see my festivals, my feasts? Do you see that? My feasts, my festivals? You should have that in verse 2. Okay. It's my appointed time, my feasts, my festivals. What does that say? These festivals are from God, about God, and for God. They're from God. They are about God. And they're for God. And we are included in them. But the central purpose and meaning of these festivals has to do with the person and work of Christ. And so as we look at these festivals, as we look at anything and everything within the context of who we are as a church, we should never place ourselves too close to the center. Do you know what I mean by that? Why? Because at the center of everything for and about the church, everything and anything about the church, who is at the center? Jesus Christ is at the center, and we are part of the spokes or the work, you know, of what he's doing. But everything about the festivals, from God, for God, and about God, and the same thing has to do with the church. So anything I'm going to do, anything I'm going to believe, anywhere I'm going to go, anything I'm going to say, any reaction that I may have, any ministry that I may be involved with, anything at all, anything, anything at any time involving anybody at all, because we are believers in Christ, it is all from God, for God, and about God. And if we can get that by the Spirit very much more deeply rooted into our souls and minds and motivations, I think we would be better serving the Lord's purposes in this relational community where God has us. And so these feasts, these were given by God as his appointed times for Israel to gather before him, you know, to honor him, to worship him as their divine deliverer and sustainer. And so you'll notice here that the Lord doesn't say to his people, by the way, could I interrupt you a moment? If you're not too busy, if you don't have anything else going on in your life, if it's okay with you, if nothing else is in the way, could you come see me? Won't you come see me when you can? This isn't the God of glory. That's a demon saying that to you. It's a demon saying it to you. Get it straight. It's a demon. It's a demon saying that to you. Because you see, God is not some tootsie footsie thing, weak, manny pandy. He is the God of glory. And when he says, come, what should the church say? We're coming now. 
You see, the church on Sunday morning has been given by God as his appointed time. Now, whether it's Sunday morning or Saturday, you know, but there is an appointed time for the church to gather. How do we know that? Because we see it established in the New Testament. Where do we see it established? Well, you see it established in Luke chapter 24. And Jesus rose from the dead. Remember, he's talking to this lady. He says, don't be touching me. I have not yet ascended, but I am ascending. And you, go to my disciples in Galilee, and we're going to get together tonight to have a celebration. I'm back, and I'm staying. And I want you, my people, to get together with me on a regular basis. This isn't something that is up for grabs up for opinion, up for convenience, up for culture. It's something that has to do with the glory and the sovereignty and our obedience to our God. Amen? Amen. Too many churches are too weak in this area. Oh, don't press it because it's legalism. Let me give you my opinion on that statement that it's legalism. It's legalism if you believe, and we're teaching that if you do that, then that's our work, to ingratiate ourselves to God. But it is not legalism if it's our work of faithful obedience and response to God's command. Amen? Do you see the distinction there? So I'm not telling you today you need to go to church and you need to be here this morning and whatever in order to ingratiate yourself. Jesus has already ingratiated us to God. Amen? So we're forever ingratiated. This is our obedient response to a holy God who says come. And so the Israelites were commanded. You notice he didn't make a request. He commands us. Oh, but in Jesus it's different. I don't think so. Jesus says this is my command. Isn't it interesting? Jesus still commands. Love commands. Let any wife tell you that love commands her husband to be faithful to her. Amen, ladies? That's right. And so Israel was to be coming three times a year. So you have the festivals divided into two different major groups. You have the spring festivals, the first four in the spring, the second three, members of seven, or in the what? The fall. The first set of festivals called the spring festivals as opposed to the fall festivals. The spring festivals are divided into two groups. They are divided by time. The first three are occurring within a 21-day period. Then there is a 50-day period in which the second one occurs. That's the fall, I'm sorry, the spring festivals. And then you have the last three occurring in the seventh month within a 15-day period. So you have this continuity like that. So Israel was commanded by God. He says, I want you to come, all the males, the men come. Why the men? The leaders of the households to represent their homes. I want all the men to come before me in Jerusalem three times during the first three festivals, during the middle festival, and during the last three festivals. This is when you're coming. And so you see that in the New Testament. Jesus is going to the festivals. Why? Because you see, as the Son of God, he is obedient to the Father's commands. Even the Son of God says, I'm going to do what God the Father has given me to do. Why? Because these festivals speak 
about God. They're for God, from God, and about God. This gathering that we have on Sunday mornings, this time in this room, this time at 10 o'clock in the auditorium, this is from God, for God, and about God. Amen? Now, you are here when we praise God, but there's so many who don't see the significance and the centrality and the power of what we're doing this morning. Thank you for seeing something more about God. Amen? If we want to be evangelists, I think Alpha is one of the most clearly evangelistic works that we have in this church, and it is amazing how the people of this congregation will out, outreach and get people to Alpha. But then when it comes to the gathering like this, this room should be filled that room on Sunday morning downstairs, we should have a 1,000 people in there every Sunday morning. Do you agree with this or not? Or am I just blowing smoke? This room should be filled. That room, actually this room should be down there until that room starts to worship. We should be bursting out at the seams. Why? Because we're God's redeemed people to come together before him, to honor and to worship him and declare before the world, nothing is more important than the presence of our God. I'm going to try to get into these feasts this morning. I came here this morning saying, man, this is going to be a quick class. I'm going to fly through this, and nothing controversial is going to be said. Spring feast. Let's talk about the spring feast. There are four festivals in the spring feast. The first three are joined together in a continuity of 21 days, and the second one is 50 days later. So let's see what we have here. <clears throat> the first feast is Passover. Leviticus 23.5. The Lord's Passover begins at twilight on the 14th day of the first month. That's what Leviticus 23 verse 5 says. Amen? I think I had the right quote there, hopefully. <laughs> the Lord's Passover. Did you notice all of these are God's stuff? Julio, they're all God's. My feast, my Passover, my festivals that we get to participate in. It's my son, God says, that you have part in now. This is all of God. The Lord's Passover begins where? When? Sorry, at twilight. Why at twilight? Because you see, twilight begins the day. Now, it's, it's somewhat of an adjustment, isn't it, for us to say, when does the day begin? I'll, I'll meet you at the first part of the day. Uh, okay, let's see, when is that? Uh, okay, that's twilight. Twilight. On the 14th day of the first month, what month is that? Nisan, N-I-S-A-N. Not the car, it's the month. When we look at Exodus 12, and I may not get through all this today. I, I see the clock is faster than I am. I want to look, go back and look at Exodus 12, 1 through 6. So if you don't have it in your notes, is that in your notes listed out? Huh? Okay. Let me read this to us. Because Exodus 12 elaborates. The Lord said to Moses and to Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month, what month? Nisan, the first month. This month shall be for you the beginning of months, beginning of the year. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house, a lamb for a household. Stop. Why am I reading that to you? Because what did we say in the beginning? 
all of these festivals prefigure whom? Jesus Christ and his work. So the Passover begins at the beginning of the 14th day, at evening, remember. But there is a time of preparation for the Passover. So what we just read is every family is going to slay a lamb, right, Annette? And they're going to do that when? At twilight on the 14th. That's when that's going to happen. But every lamb is supposed to be spotless and without flaw or blemish. Spotless, a picture of no sin, a picture of perfection, a picture of perfect, absolute, pure righteousness. That's what this lamb was picturing, an innocent. Innocent of what? Innocent of any sin or disobedience or any rebellion whatsoever in any category. Innocent. So how do you know it's innocent? He says on the 10th day, bring what? This lamb into your midst and begin to inspect the lamb. So what does John tell us about the day of Hosanna when Jesus came into the city? He says, when the Passover was finished, what happened? I'm sorry, when the Sabbath was finished, what happened? Jesus that day enters into the city. And he enters, and what happens during that week, during those four days? Jesus is meticulously inspected, questioned by the religious officials to be, not in their view, but to be shown and demonstrated to us by the Holy Spirit that Jesus is without any moral flaw, that he is without any civil flaw, that he is without any ceremonial flaw, that Jesus is the innocent, flawless lamb of God who will be sacrificed upon the altar of God's cross. And that is what we see happening in those days in the Gospel of John. So that's why I read to you Exodus chapter 12, these first few verses. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then remember, everybody shall have a lamb. And you shall, in verse 6, keep it until the 14th day of the month when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. And you remember what happened? All the lambs were killed. Every family was together, had a lamb. If you didn't have, uh, weren't able to do it, you came into another family. Everybody is behind the wall of blood. Remember the wall of blood, eating the lamb. And when Israel left that next day, Everybody left having taken into him or herself a lamb. Israel left with the lamb inside. Israel left because the lamb was inside. And we are in Christ. Therefore, we are being saved. Why? Because God has placed us where? In Christ. We are in the lamb. The lamb is in us. Do you see the pictures here? It's an incredible, in my mind, incredible picture. That's Passover. That's the event of Passover. That day, beginning at the sundown, the dusking of the day on the 14th. Now, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. On the 15th day of that month, so what is that? 
Let's say 6 o'clock at night. Let's just use that term. At 6 o'clock on the 14th, what? Passover. At 6 o'clock on the 15th, which is the beginning of the next day. I know it's kind of like twisty for us. <laughs> the beginning of the next day, which is what, Ellie? The 15th, dusking. Remember, 6 o'clock. On the next day, 6 o'clock in the evening of that month is the Lord's Feast of Unleavened Bread begins. And for seven days you must eat bread without yeast. No yeast. And for seven days you shall eat this bread. And so the Feast of Unleavened Bread begins at that time when Passover is finished. And then the Unleavened Bread Festival begins. And for seven days you're eating this bread without yeast. The feast began at the dusking of the next day on the 15th of Nisan and lasted for seven days to the end or the dusking of the 21st of Nisan. So you, you, you can see that. Now, since the festival began immediately after Passover and lasted for seven days, the two of them are usually, biblically, they're usually referred to as the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So they're so closely connected. So if you look in Luke 22, verse 1, this is what happens. And now the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew near, which is called the Passover. So Luke, you see, is using both terminologies. He's saying to the Jews, Unleavened Bread Festival. Oh, we know what that is. That's a Passover and Unleavened Bread for uh, these uh, 21, I'm sorry, these days from the 15th to the 21st. We get that. But also he's saying Passover so those who are not familiar can understand the distinction here. Okay, did I say it lasted for 21 days? I, may, I think I made a mistake. It's from the 14th to the 21st, the 15th to the 21st. That's the extension of the uh, fall fest, um, uh, spring festivals. The first and seventh days of the festival, the first and seventh days of the festival, just like the day for Passover, were special Sabbaths. These are called special Sabbaths. I didn't want to get into the Sabbath, but I'll just say this. What day for the Hebrews is the Sabbath, typically? It's the end of the week, the last day, what? The sixth day, remember? Where do we get that? Where does that come from? Who established it? When? Where was that? What biblical reference is it? Genesis chapter 2. And it says, the Lord, what? rested the seventh day and hallowed it or set it apart for a special commemoration or a special statement about himself. It is indicative, the seventh is indicative of the completed work of God. And who completes the work of God? Jesus Christ. Man is created at the end of the sixth day, right? The sixth day is moving along, and in verse 26 of chapter 1, God says, let us make man in our image. In verse 27, he said, I made man in my image. And so you get the whole in, in, uh, uh, elaboration of that in chapter 2, verses 7 to 24. You take those verses and stick it between 26 and 27 of chapter 1, and you see what's going on. Some people say foolishly, these are two accounts. They're the same account by the same God. And when man is created, let us make man in our image. What is that image? 
It's the image of God's son. Well, how do we know that? Because Hebrews 1 tells us that. Hebrews 1, 3. He is the exact image of the invisible God talking about Christ. We are to be conformed to the image of Christ in Romans 8, 29. Amen? So you see how all this ties and comes together. And so man is created toward the end of the day. So man, if you would, comes alive and now he's going to be living into the seventh or rest of God. The seventh or rest of God. Now, even though they will be calendar days, what God is saying here is that from now on, beginning on the end of this day, this last day, this sixth day, this Sabbath, I'm going to have a time Beginning with this seventh day, I'm going to have a time of rest. This is going to be you and me, us enjoying ourselves forever, our fellowship. That's where we were created to be in the seventh, the eternal seventh of God. That's what the Sabbath represented and stood for, for Israel. Now remember, sin messed that up, so now God gives a particular day to commemorate that. But where are we living? The Bible says, for this is the day the Lord hath made. What day are we living in? We are living in the spiritual seventh day of God. How do I know that? Because we are living in Christ who is God's rest. Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You see, God is not speaking preeminently about a day. He's using a day to show something. He's speaking preeminently about a relationship that we as believers in Christ have now been spiritually born into the day of God's rest, which that seventh day is indicative, indicates in, in, in Genesis chapter 2. So that's the Sabbath. And so, but every festival begins with a Sabbath, a special Sabbath. And so on some years, the Sabbath that begins the festival is actually a Saturday. But in some years, it's not a what? Saturday. Why? Because of the lunar and because of the way they, you know, calculated this. So what we're going to see, and we'll have to stop today, we're going to see that these festivals began and ended with special days called Sabbath or holy assemblies or holy convocations. And you'll see in which there should be and shall be no work. This is a Sabbath. And so when we see that, we get to John chapter, oh my word, I've forgotten my time, 18. And John says, and it was the day of preparation. Preparation for what? The Sabbath. Well, that Sabbath, you know, that's a preparation. It's a Friday because Saturday, no. It's the Sabbath that begins the Passover. It is a special Sabbath. It may be Friday or it may not be Friday, but it's not automatically Friday. And so you see what is going on here is a preparation for this high, holy, special day that commemorates and inaugurates and celebrates this particular festival. So we have to always be careful. Oh, it's Friday because, well, how do we know it's Friday? Because you see, Saturday, that's Sabbath, therefore. The, no, it is a misunderstanding and application of what the Jewish people understood as their calendar. Amen? See you next Sunday. Hey, how you doing? Oh. On that. <laughs>